At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Warm-up the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Easton Family Podcast. We do have a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We are going to be joined by Danny Burke, who does a great job over here at VEASAN, taking a look at things on a national scale Monday through Friday on Rush Hour, and then top of that, he is out there in the great city of Chicago doing the Chicago CityCast, which that winds up taking sports betting and puts it in a little bit more of a local perspective. We've got a lot of them. Here at Visa in Los Angeles is a good one. Daniel Alvari has joined this podcast. We've had on Ryan Rossino of the Philadelphia CityCast. Holden Kushner, he's holding it down out there in the great city of Denver, Colorado. He has joined me before. Dan Leach does a great job over there in Detroit. Will Hill, amazing work in New York. And Danny, he holds it down in Chicago. So we're going to be talking about both of these Chicago teams in terms of the White Sox and also the Cubs. For the Cubs, it's going to be a little bit more dormant with regards to their chat. And if there is any opportunities to be able to back them with the White Sox, is there any value on them in the AL Central? And we're also going to be talking about today's start of Lance Lynn and how things are going shall we say, not well for them. So we're going to have a great chat with Danny in the second segment. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And we got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. 
Really didn't wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a great day of baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these seems a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Red Sox and Yankees play 11 innings and both teams left the bases loaded in the 10th inning and the Yankees they left them loaded in the ninth inning after getting that with no outs. And they squander away a chance to be able to get a victory. 5-4, to four, the Boston Red Sox wind up being able to get it done. As for the New York Yankees, all of a sudden this bunch has now lost five out of their last six games. As for the Red Sox, Nathan Eovaldi, first start off the injured list, was not a good one to say the least. He gives up three runs over the course of four and a third innings, including a home run to John Carlos in his 24th of the season. From there, the bullpen of the Red Sox really rose up. Garrett Whitlock. Fresh off the injured list, two scoreless innings. Sean Schreiber, one and two-thirds innings scoreless. Tanner Elk gives up an unearned run in the ninth inning as he was hurt by his own throwing error. you got to find a way to attach runs to these guys that wind up committing errors, and they wind up getting unearned runs as a result. Discussion for another day, though, but Ryan Brazier in the 11th inning, able to hold it down for the Red Sox. They went just 2 of the 11 with Ben in scoring position, but they overcame that with a trio of bombs as Jordan Montgomery gives up home runs to Rafael Devers and Christian Vasquez. Vasquez, his sixth home run season, and Devers, his 21st home run season. And shock, shock, surprise, surprise, Roldis Chapman didn't wind up having a good go of it. He winds up giving up a home run to Bobby Dahlbeck. Seventh home run season as Chapman gives up that home run in his inning work for Jordan Montgomery. Gives up two bombs, gives up three runs over the course of six innings. And I mean, by and large, the Yankees' bullpen did their part. Michael King gives up an unearned run in the 11th. Then you got to figure that the Yankees should be able to scratch one across themselves in extras. Clay Holmes, he got out of a bases loaded jam by being able to strike out the side for a scoreless inning and Wani Peralta. Two scoreless innings. So now the Yankees, 62 at 28. Sky is falling. Sandy Alcantara, very good start for the Miami Marlins, but not enough to be able to get it done. The Philadelphia Phillies get a win by a count of 2-1 to one as for the Fish. Boy, the offense has not necessarily been too terrific as this is a team that has scored two runs or fewer in every one out of their last six games that have ended in regulation. They wound up having an extra inning game. And as a matter of fact, I believe that they have been able to exceed the uh, four-run plateau just twice this month ever since they wound up having that series with Washington Nationals because Washington Nationals stink as for Philadelphia. Kyle Gibson, very good start. One run surrendered over the course of six innings. Jose Alvarado, Brad Hanser, Anthony Dominguez, they all give you a scoreless signing. And for the Phillies, top five team in terms of bullpen ERA ever since they wound up having the managerial change. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, they did just enough to get to Mr. Alcantara. He's a tough luck loser in this one. Gives up two runs over the course of eight innings. He has now went at least seven innings in each out of his last 13 starts, giving up three earned runs or fewer in all but one of them. As a matter of fact, two earned runs or fewer in all but one of them. Eliezer Hernandez was able to give a scoreless inning out of the bullpen, but nothing doing for this Miami Marlins team on offense. A lot doing for the Atlanta Braves on offense. They take it to the Washington Nationals by a count of eight to four. And for the Washington Nationals, Worst record at home in the National League this season. They are 14-35. and 35. Worst team in the league in terms of home record. That would be the Oakland A's at 11-31. and 31, And that's because ownership has pretty much not done a good job of being able to encourage the fans to go out there. We'll leave it at that. But for the Bravos, trio of home runs in this one as Patrick Corbin gives up a home run to Orlando Arcia. Fourth home run of the season. Austin Riley gets his 26th home run season. And then Kyle Finnegan serves one up to Adam Duvall for his 12th home run season. For Finnegan, gives up a run in an inning. Erasmo Ramirez out of the bullpen. He gives up one run in two innings to Carl Edwards Jr. A scoreless inning of his own. But Patrick Gorman, 
is absolutely cataclysmically bad here. Continues, gives up six runs, five of which were earned over the course of five innings. This guy's went straight down the toilet bowl for the Nationals. They go two of 13 with Ben in scoring position as Ian Anderson. He gives up just one run over the course of five and a third innings. He's been struggling all year long, but is starting to find it with two runs or fewer given up in three out of his last four starts. Dylan Lee, two scoreless sayings. Call me Q, AJ Minter. They combined for three outside the bullpen without giving up a run. Will Smith did get jiggy with it, giving up three runs in two-thirds of an inning, but the Braves, they're still able to get it done. And because Will Smith gave up those runs, you're able to get it over in this game. So some of us out there are cheering for the Toronto Blue Jays after they got embarrassed on Thursday by the Kansas City Royals. They restored order on Friday. 8-1. to one. They wound up taking out the Kansas City Royals to Zach Granke. He has posted up a sub-250 ERA at home on the road that is north of 7, and he gave up four runs, three of which were earned over the course of four innings. Carlos Hernandez gives up four runs in four innings himself, and both wound up giving up a home run in their pretty much piggyback game. Tasker Hernandez goes deep off of Granke for his 12th home run season, and Matt Chapman, his 15th home run in the campaign. That comes off of Hernandez as Alec Manoa. Manoa, what? It was a good start. One run given up over the course of seven innings. Anthony Banda, Trevor Richards, both give you a scoreless setting as for the Kansas City Royals. Well, doing on offense, they go one of seven with men in scoring position as they're right now playing with a little bit of a skeleton crew. The L.A. Dodgers very nearly were able to get a perfect game for Clayton Kershaw. Nine to one the final. Unlike what happened in Minnesota, Clayton Kershaw was allowed to go for it. He had seven perfect innings. Winds coming out in the eighth and gives up a double to Luis Radifo as he goes eight scoreless. An amazing performance. Reyes Bonanta from there. He winds up giving up a solo run in the ninth inning to Brandon Marsh. Seventh home run season, but the Angels just got completely slaughtered. You wind up having Patrick Sandoval give up four runs, two of which were earned in four and two-thirds innings. The Marte Parte was not a Parte as... Jose Marte gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Art Warren winds giving up a run in two-thirds of an inning. And Jaime Badia, not bad in long relief, gives up one run over the course of three innings. They might want to consider giving him a start instead of Jose Suarez. But with that said, for the LA Dodgers, 6 of 15 with men in scoring position. They continue to hold down the Ford. And for the Los Angeles Angels, I believe that they have now won 15 out of their last 53 games. That is just absolutely sad. The San Diego Padres, they were not sad. They were able to take down the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of 5-3 to three as for the Snakes. Matt Bum looked like a bum. He gives up five runs, four of which were earned over the course of five innings. From there, the bullpen was not bad. Caleb Smith, Luke Weaver, Kyle Nelson, they'll give you a scoreless ending. And the Snakes wind up getting a pair of home runs. They're averaging nearly a home run and a half per game on the road this season, much more than they are at home. Quintel Marte of the Marte Parte goes deep off of Yu Darvish for his eighth home run of the season. And Richard Walker is 22nd home run the campaign for off of Yu Darvish as Darvish gives up three runs over the course of seven innings. Actually a bad home start for him as he allowed those two home runs, but did have Taylor Rogers along Dick Martinez. Both give you a scoreless saying to be able to get this one through him for the Padres. They go four of 11 with men in scoring position. The Colorado Rockies just absolutely laid it to the Pittsburgh Pirates. 13-2 to the final for the Pirates. Not necessarily a great relief appearance here from Dylan Peters as he allows a pair of home runs. He got six outs and gave up six runs, all of which were earned. C.J. Crone, 21st home run season. Brendan Rodgers, his ninth home run season. All nine of Rodgers' home runs have come at home, by the way, so there's your home and road splits right there. But Ozzy Kitana, six runs given up over the course of five innings. Regression was on the wall, and boy, did it hit hard as Chris Randall, you winds up allowing a run in an inning as well for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not a lot doing off of Irma Marquez, who has all of a sudden been able to find it, giving up three runs of fear, now three out of his last five starts. Gives up two runs over the course of six and a third innings. Tie block, scoreless innings, and Robert Stevenson. He was able to give you one and a third innings. Scoreless says the Rockies go six of nine with men in scoring position. So that was a pretty good beatdown. This game was 
Not so much of a beatdown, but the Guardians, they get it to the window against the Detroit Tigers by a count of 6-5 as Drew Hutchinson. Not a great start here for the Tigers, giving up four runs over the course of five innings. You did have Andrew Chafin giving you a scoreless inning and Alex Lang. Four outside the bullpen, but Michael Fulmer, who entered in this game with a sub-2 ERA, he gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning for the Detroit Tigers. Uncharacteristically, they got a home run. Riley Green, his second home run season off of Zach Plesak as Plesak did not have his best stuff in this one. Now, truth be told, he was hurt by Jose Ramirez fielding error, but five runs given up in three and two-thirds innings, two of which were earned, including that home run. Bullpen from there did their part, though. Brian Shaw, two scoreless innings. Eli Morgan, Trevor Steven, a scoreless inning apiece, and Eniel De Los Santos was able to give you four outs out of the bullpen. So the Guardians, they get back above 500 at 45 and 44. And for the Tigers, they doubled the amount of runs per game they have been averaging on the road as they're averaging right around 2.6 going into this game because of their performance, more like 2.7 now. The Tampa Bay Rays cooled down the Baltimore Orioles win streak. It ends at 10 for Baltimore, 5-4. The Rays are able to get it done as it was a Christian Bethencourt home run that really wound up being a difference maker for the Tampa Bay Rays in this one. By the way, Baltimore Orioles, best team on the run line in all of baseball because they were the underdog. They cover another run line, but for Bethencourt, fifth home run season, that comes off of Cienado Perez, who winds up allowing two runs in a third of an inning out of the bullpen for Tyler Wells. This is his first loss decision, and I think about two months as he gives up three runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings, and ironically enough, his worst two performances this season have been on the road at Tampa Bay. It feels like they've really got the Orioles number. From there, Brian Baker, Felix Batista, both give you a scoreless inning in. For the Baltimore Orioles, how about Ramon Urias being able to get a pair of home runs? Goes deep off of Sergio Luis Patino for his eighth home run season, and Colin Pooch for his ninth, and Patino would also allow one to drain Boom Boom Mancini. Ninth home run season for Patino. Two solo runs given up over the course of three and a third innings, and then the bullpen went to work. Colin Pooch gives up two runs over the course of an inning. Ryan Thompson, Matt Weisler, Brooks Raley, I'll give you a scoreless inning, and Sean Armstrong. He was able to come in for one and two-thirds innings scoreless. You did wind up having a pretty big underdog wind up cashing out there in Houston as the Oakland A's. They were down by a count of 1-0 to zero going into the 7th inning. They win by a count of 5-1. to one. Cole Irvin, a very good start for them. Gives up one run over the course of 6 innings. One of the most trustworthy guys for the A's. From there, you wound up having Lou Trevino, Domingo Acevedo. Both give you a scoreless setting. And Zach Jackson and A.J. Puck get mine for a scoreless setting. But you wound up having Mr. Bolt. Sky Bolt get his second home run of the season and his second home run this week to be able to put the team over the top as Jose Arikiti. Not a great start here. He winds up giving up three runs over the course of six and a third innings. Ryan Stanek, pair of outside the bullpen, and Seth Martinez wound up allowing that home run. His ERA balloons to a buck 38 as he gives up two runs over the course of two innings, including that bomb. But for the Houston Astros, they were without Jordan Alvarez in this one. They were also without Jose Altuve in this game. So they were dealing with quite a few injuries as they just were unable to muster like a lot of anything. So that was a little bit of an issue for them. You wound up having no issues with the St. Louis Cardinals, really aside from the first inning where the Reds wound of getting two runs, but they responded right back. The St. Louis Cardinals get the job done 7-3, the final as the Reds, they were coming in wide out with a pair of wins in the Bronx, but you wound up having Hunter Green get lit up again. Four runs given up over the course of five innings, including a home run that was surrendered to Nolan Gorman, his ninth home run of the season from there for the Reds. And you got the dead last bullpen in terms of ERA out there in the big leagues, and it showed Ian Gabo. He winds up giving up two runs in an inning. Dottie Barretta was able to give you a scoreless inning, but Joel Kuno and a pair of outside the bullpen. He winds up not giving up a run before Buck Farmer does wind up giving one up himself, but for the Reds, they do go four of nine with men in scoring position. Andre Pallanti, 
Not necessarily the world's greatest start, but functional. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings, including six hits and three walks, so he was dodging bullets, but bullpen from there was solid. Jordan Nix, Genesis Cabrera combined for two scoreless innings. Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Elsley, both able to give you a scoreless inning apiece. You wound up having a relatively solid win for the Seattle Mariners as they go on the road. They take down the Texas Rangers, 8-3 to the final. How about Robbie Ray getting 12 strikeouts for the Mariners? 12th straight win as Ray, he does wind up giving up three runs over the course of six and two-thirds innings, but one shot 12, gave up two home runs along the way. Going deep for Texas, Leody Tavares, third home run season, and Corey Seager, his 22nd home run in the campaign as he's gotten hot. There was an opener used for Texas in Matt Bush. He winds up going at Squirrel Zang, and then Taylor Earn does what Taylor Earn does. He gives up a whole bunch of runs, giving up four runs, two of which were earned. He did have seven strikeouts, but in those four innings, it was not great. AJ Alexi is now being used as a long guy after last year. He wound up seeing some starts at the big league level, gives up three runs over the course of two innings, and then Jose Leclerc, two innings out of him. He winds up giving up a run for Seattle. It was Julio Rodriguez being able to get his 16th home run season, who has been really, really good for the Seattle Mariners, and the Mariners now at 49 and 42. All of a sudden, find themselves right back in the playoff hunt. The Chicago White Sox are trying to find themselves in the playoff hunt, and they've gotten back to 500. 6-2, they wind up digging down the Minnesota Twins as Michael Kopech does wind up giving up a pair of runs over the course of five innings, but a bullpen of the White Sox is still in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of ERA. They went to work. Joe Kelly, Rinaldo Lopez, Kendall Grayman, Liam Hendricks all give you a scoreless setting in for the White Sox, a team that actually ranks in the bottom eight in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per at-bat basis. They got a pair. Adam Engel, second home run season. That comes off of Griffin Jackson. Shocker. Emilio Pagan gave up a home run. This one to Tim Anderson. Sixth home run of the season as Pagan winds up giving up one run in his inning of work. That's a home run. Jacks, you got Jacks up, giving up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Giovanni Murren, two scoreless innings. Caleb Theobar, scoreless inning. Ty Duffy, four outside the bullpen, scoreless. And Devin Smeltzer, he winds up leaving this game after giving up two runs over the course of three innings. Looked to be a little bit of an injury there, so you want to be keeping your eyes on that. It's the Minnesota Twins. What's going to be key for them being able to make a postseason run is mainly their starting pitching because they don't necessarily have a whole heck of a lot of it, and that would be relatively not good for them. And then the night wraps up with one of the most shocking things that you're going to see. Josh Hader blows the save and blows a three-run lead for the Brewers as the Giants in walk-off Grand Slam fashion wind up taking down the Milwaukee Brewers. It was a 5-2 lead for the Brewers going into the ninth. They lose by three. 8-5 the final. Brandon Woodruff manages to battle through five and two-thirds innings. He walks five, didn't have his A stuff, goes 112 pitches, gives up two runs along the way. From there, Hobie Milner, one and a third inning scoreless. John Del Gustave gives you a scoreless inning. And then Josh Hader, third of an inning, six runs surrendered on three home runs, including a walk-off grand slam. Going deep for the San Francisco Giants, Darren Ruff, eighth home run of the season. Mike Ustremski, ninth home run of the season. Joey Bart, his sixth home run in the campaign, as Ustremski was the man with the walk-off grand slam. By the way, DK Nation pick on this one was over seven, so the San Francisco Giants put up six runs in the ninth inning. They, this was a push going into the bottom of the ninth, so I will gladly take that as Alex Wood was the victim of bad luck in this one as he gets a no decision, fortunately. Three unearned runs given up in four and two-thirds innings was really hurt by the fielding here. Tyler Rogers comes in out of the bullpen, gives up two runs over the course of a third of an inning as Andrew McCutcheon, big RBI double, helped out the Brewers. From there, Mauricio Lovera, along with Junior Marte of the Marte Parte, combined for three scoreless innings, and then Sammy Long. A scoreless inning, and little did he know he was going to be able to get the win as Josh Hader completely collapses in this one. If you're taking a look at baseball right now, and what we are all seeing, you're noticing 
quite a few unders right now in Major League Baseball. Overall for the season, it has been a little bit more of an under campaign as we have seen a little bit over 52% of games go under the total as according to covers, it is 660 unders to 606 overs and with that underdogs, they are starting to rise up a little bit more. Overall for the season, they're hitting at 40.8%, 542 and 787 straight up. But if you're looking at home favorites, we're currently 503 and 350. They've had a really brutal time of being able to cover the run line and as a matter of fact, 163 home favorites have won by approximately one run do not wind up covering the run line. So that is a big giant issue. If you're taking a look at the last three days in Major League Baseball, 53.5% of games have won under the total 207 unders and we've gotten 180 overs in this time span. Underdogs, they have went 176 and 230 over the last three days. So they're hitting at right around 43.3%. And we've been noticing the last few days, some of these underdogs may have been rather substantial. And take a look at the last seven days. The underdog rate is relatively equal. 55 and 41 is the record of favorites in the time span and in the time span as well. 53 unders to 42 overs. That's nearly 56% to the under. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we wound up getting in Major League Baseball on Friday. Now let's take a look at the Chicago sports scene. Take a look at the struggling sir that's going to be on the bump for the White Sox on Saturday. And look at the futures board as well. And also, why when it comes to baseball, you're betting numbers and not teams. We're going to be talking about that and so much more with our good friend Danny Burke. Does a great job hosting the show Rush Hour every Monday through Friday. You're at the network along with the Chicago CityCast. And he's going to be joining me next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Dave Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run. Every hit. Every inning. Every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it Every rival, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people 
I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe will win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts, and it is great to be joined by our guest as Danny Burke is doing absolutely terrific work over here at the Vegas Ads and Information Network. You're able to catch his show Rush Hour every Monday through Friday if you're out there in the Central Time Zone. That is from 5 to 6 if you're out here on the West Coast, much like myself, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time. And then he also does the Chicago City Cast, something great that we do, taking a look at sports betting from a local perspective that is powered by Bet Rivers. And then he does the show Bet on Chicago over there at 8.90 a.m. every Saturday out there in the Chicagoland area. And to be able to follow Danny Burke on Twitter. That is at Danny Burke, and then the number five altogether. And Danny, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, Greg, man. I mean, how about it? We're about at midway point. It's been a fun season, right? It's had its ups and downs, not only with the ball, but just with some of these teams. And look, we're getting a good read on all the squads. So it's a great time right now to kind of take a look, especially at these futures odds and these contending teams and see how we can make a profit off of it. Oh, I agree with you right there. And it has been interesting to take a look at the most profitable team out there in the big leagues. And they wind up just actually playing a series against the Chicago Cubs. And that's the Baltimore Orioles. And I think that this really speaks to the good old mantra that I wind up having in that you're not betting teams, you're betting numbers. And I think that it is so important when it comes to betting baseball that you just don't want to take a look at it. It's like, oh, yeah, more than 50% of the time, the Dodgers wind up knocking off insert bad team here. But instead, you're looking, oh, I have to lay minus 250 on the Dodgers on the money line. And I think that the Baltimore Orioles are exhibit A with this because they've been highly profitable. They've been solid out there in the bullpen, wound up having a very long win streak heading into their upcoming series as well. So I take a look at this, and it is very interesting in terms of betting baseball because I think a lot of people think that with regards to a money line sport that it just comes down to, oh, well, I just want to be able to hit 100% of my money lines, but that's much easier said than done. As we know, there's a little bit of volatility in being able to take these plus prices, even if it doesn't wind up paying off for a day or two, it can wind up paying off long term. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. I mean, you know, you just look back at this past week with our pentathlon that we've been doing throughout VEASAN with our betting contest where we were pretty much forced to look at some of these underdogs, one of them being an underdog play, one of them being a prop to try to get some plus money. And, you know, looking at run lines and you're competing against other people, but it just reminds you that even if because someone like myself, you know, I was two and two and was up over 140 bucks, I think is what it was. But, and I even got to remind myself of this, but even if you're not winning games consistently, if you get a good value play or value bet, you know, maybe not 
every play, of course, maybe not even every other one out of three, and it's a good enough payoff, you can still end up profitable. So that's what you always got to remind yourself in such a sport that is so exhausting, so long, like you said, with so much volatility. These underdogs are going to win from time to time. Heck, Greg, my underdog play was on the Oakland A's. It went to extras. It was the worst thing to sweat out of all time. But it came through. Even the A's went from time to time. So, yeah, if you're finding some of that value, maybe not with as much the bottom of the barrel group like the Oakland A's, but as you mentioned, the Baltimore Orioles, you could have got them for some plus money for quite some time. The Mariners are a team that's been hot, and you can get them in good spots. The Marlins, I feel like, qualify as one of those teams. And, hey, even the Pirates are still kind of fighting every now and then. So teams like that, I think, present some good value. Heck, I mean, even the Colorado Rockies, I mean, they've been playing exceptionally well against the Padres they just did at home as an underdog, and we know how things go down at Coors Field. So if you really are able to narrow down those opportunities to kind of differentiate from always laying the favor, which seems like the easy option, but not always the profitable one, it can definitely help you out in the long run. And I find it very interesting. You named off a lot of teams that have been able to make quite a bit of money this year as underdogs is joining me on the podcast. We do have Danny Burke. One of those teams you did not mind mentioning is the Chicago Cubs, and it has not been going their way thus far this season as entering into their series against the New York Mets. 34 and 54, and man, it's been a sad state of affairs really for the bottom three teams out there in the NL Central. Both of us knew coming into the year that it was going to be the Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals that were going to be fighting for it. The only question is how much of a Brewers, how much of a favorite should the Brewers be coming into the season? But I mean, when you take a look at those bottom three teams out there in the National League Central, there is quite a bit of fight in all three of these teams. But that said, for the Chicago Cubs, what I've also noticed with them as well is typically this is a team that they've got big home and road splits, but entering into the series with the Mets, 17 and 29 at home. And that's just been very uncharacteristic of what we've seen the last few years out of Chicago. Yeah, Greg. Well, you know, the difference with the Cubs versus some of those teams that I rifled off, more importantly, for example, looking at a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates, is these guys still have something to play for, right? They still have prospects who need to go out there and prove their worth. They have guys they want to develop and bring up. Whereas you look at this Cubs team, this Cubs team is in such a state of unknown because upper management, the front office said, we're not rebuilding when everyone and their grandmother clearly knew this was a rebuilding team. You don't really have any key prospects to bring up at the moment to try to develop into taking that next step forward. No, no, no. They have to take a couple steps back and fully do the reset. You bring on Stroman, the dude's been injured half the year, and when he's been in, hasn't been that great. You paid him all that money for whatever reason. You're probably dishing off on Wilson Contreras at some point, despite the guy just giving his heart and soul every night and wanting to be here. But this Cubs team is going to be ripped down probably to its entirety post-All-Star break. So the Cubs, to me, are just a fade-away or stay-away uh, stay team unless, unless you get – a good situation with a Keegan Thompson, a Justin Steele on the mound. Because honestly, Greg, those are the only two guys who have proven to be from time to time serviceable in the betting realm. But it's got to be at home and it's got to be against a bad pitcher and, you know, a middle of a pack to lower tier type of team. So you got to meet all those requirements to want to back the Cubs. So it really has to take a lot to trust the Northsiders. So that's why I'm saying more often than not, you're going to be looking to fade this team. I wouldn't be shocked if they end up at the bottom of the NL Central. The Reds, they have some young guys they can at least bring up. But, man, the Cubbies, they just got nothing to play for at this 
point. The disclaimers you threw out there for betting on the Chicago Cubs looks longer than a grocery list that you'd have for preparing a seven-course meal. Man, that is <laughs> it's been tough this year for the Chicago Cubs, to say the least. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing right there because I have not been able to take a lot of shots on the Chicago Cubs thus far this season myself. And there is not too many circumstances in which I'm taking a look at the starter for the White Sox on Saturday as well. It's joining me on the podcast. It is Danny Burkas. It just feels like the White Sox have been one of the most poorly run teams in baseball thus far this season. They did a great job, management did, of being able to assemble young talent, be able to have that farm system be able to come up. And we've seen them be able to make the postseason each other the last two seasons. But ever since they wound up acquiring that young talent in the late 2010s into 2020-ish, they just have not been able to put it all together. I think that it all winds up stemming from when they wanted to bring on Tony Barusa as a manager, but the way that they wanted bringing back Lance Lynn was not good, and he has not been able to find his form. He's got north of a 7 ERA, and now he has to go up against the Minnesota Twins on Saturday. I'm not sure about you, but Lance Lynn was a guy that last year I loved to be able to back. I took a look at him at the minor league level, and I thought, man, this guy is not ready to return yet. He could use a couple more rehab stints. The White Sox did not wind up allowing him to have those, and he has been getting shelled ever since then. I'm not sure about you, but it's just a sad state of affairs. I don't know if we're going to find Lance Lynn be able to find it at all this season because he was just set so far back by the fact that he wanted getting sent back up to the big leagues when he clearly was not ready. It's really tough, and it's really depressing if you're a White Sox fan. There's been so many depressing things that have happened this season, from Tony La Russa to not being able to win big games to just shooting yourselves in the foot, not hitting righties, injuries left and right, all of those things. You talk about long lists, it goes on and on when it comes to the White Sox, but getting Lance Lynn back was supposed to be that spark. And like you said, you just haven't seen anything beneficial come from it. Like the White Sox have won a majority of his starts, oddly enough, but his stats aren't there. You can celebrate in the moment, but deep down you're like, yeah, this isn't going to be sustainable. You need him to be your ace. You need him to be the trustworthy guy like he was last year to, if you can make the playoff, hopefully help you carry through it, which he doesn't look like he's capable of it right now. So yeah, we talk about stay away, fadeaways, whatever you want to call it. I mean, Lance Lynn, I got screwed by him on Monday because I took the first five under. The dude gave up five in the first inning. It was probably the worst bet I had all year. And look, I mean, Greg, you're right. I just don't see how you trust him right now. And going up against the Twins, who are hitting pretty well against righties at home, I just don't see how you trust Lance Lynn unless somehow he just randomly turns it around. But, man, it's just a bad trajectory out of Lance Lynn, and he just does not seem to have it. And you know he gets into his own head once he starts struggling. So it's just not ideal whatsoever. But the unfortunate thing now is we'll see how much the books adjust on Lynn on a consistent basis or if they still give him a slight benefit of the doubt. But if it's an appropriate enough price, I do think fading him is probably your right take. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And just looking at the White Sox moving forward, it's perplexing to try to handicap the scene because, I mean, the batting average is actually really good with this scene. Mm-hmm. They've been able to do a supreme job of being able to get on base. With the White Sox, I always felt like their power was a little bit blown out of proportion last season because they were never necessarily a team that was just completely ripping the cover off the ball. They weren't one of those top five home run teams or anything like that, but they were solid. This year, there has really not been a lot of home run power now. A lot of that is due to some of the injuries that we've seen with guys like Eli Jimenez and company deal with ailments. But for the White Sox, it has been just so interesting to take a look at this team because when it looks like they're finally healthy, two other guys wind up going on the injured list for the team and they just 
feel like one of those teams in which when one thing winds up going right, whether it be the pitching or the hitting, the other thing winds up going wrong. And it's been one of the toughest teams for me to gauge as far this season. It's unbelievable. And you keep wondering when is the value going to present itself. And I got involved uh, with the White Sox earlier this year at minus 110. And you see a lot of situations to where this not only with the AL Central, but other divisions could be a viable option. But it seems like the AL Central presented the most value on a consistent basis because we're like, all right, at what point are the White Sox finally going to turn it around? Well, the good news is for maybe someone such as myself who got them, I don't know, two and a half months ago at minus 110 or someone who wants to jump in now at a better price is they do have one of the most favorable schedules in the second half stretch of this season. You could factor in that. You could factor in maybe just getting a nice hiatus could boost their morale and I don't know what's going to happen with Larusa, but I don't know. You just got to hope that this break wakes them up. And you got to hope that they can just stay healthy, which they can't control, right? I mean, they've just been getting the shaft with that. But as long as they can do that and just not let the righty splits kill you, right? We know you're going to have success against lefties, but you got to sneak a win against the right-handed pitchers every now and then and hope that the Twins start to falter. I'm not too concerned about the Guardians if I'm someone back in the White Sox, which I did, like I said. But, I mean, I think it's obviously going to come down to the Twins and then probably the White Sox, and I think it'll come down right to the wire. But, man, the White Sox really got to win those games they're not supposed to. And then I still think they have a chance, but they just got to get it out of their own way. Yeah, it's been so interesting to take a look at that America League Central as well because I take a look at the Minnesota Twins and the pitching is not necessarily great with them. The lineup, other than Byron Buxton, you don't have a lot of home run power. And with Buxton, you don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy on a night-in-night-out basis as well. But somehow, some way, they've been able to maintain their lead out there in the American League Central. As you're going to be on the podcast, we do have Danny Burke. And with regards to playoff races, I think that that's going to be one of the best ones in baseball for this upcoming stretch of the season after the All-Star break. But I also take a look at what we're getting out there in the National League East. And that, to me, is going to be the most intriguing race of all of them, just because the New York Mets, they started out the year so hot. And it's not been a case in which the Mets have been performing bad. It's just that the Atlanta Braves have been absolutely playing out of their minds recently. And I am just buckled in, ready for a very good race out there. I'm not sure where you wind up standing on this, but I still think that the value lies with the New York Mets being able to pull it out and the Atlanta Braves cooling down just a tad from what we've seen here over the last, we're going to call it 45 or so days. I'm not sure your take on that race or if there's another race that is really catching your eye in general, but the one that I'm really paying attention to, it is at National League East, and I still think that the Mets have what it takes, especially when Jacob deGrom comes back to be able to pull it out. I completely agree with you here, Greg. I mean, everybody's going nuts about what the Braves have done lately, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot to be content about if you're an Atlanta Braves backer or fan, especially with a guy like Strider coming up and pitching exceptionally well. Michael Harris is playing great coming up this year, and Acuna back in the mix, and Freed's still doing free things. I get it. I completely understand. But plus 115 is just not really worth it. And that's the price I'm seeing as I'm looking at Bet Rivers right now in terms of the NL East division odds, because this Mets team has shown you, despite the adversity, you know, Scherzer being out, DeGrom still being out, that their bats can come alive and they can take care of business when need be. The other pitchers are stepping up. Heck, even the bullpen is stepping up, which has been shocking. And this team, I mean, going through a favorable stretch against the Cubs, of course, you know, benefits their cause. But 
look, if you're looking for a pure value standpoint, I guess I get the argument wanting to go with Atlanta, but I really don't see any value at just plus 115 with a team that I don't think is dominant offensively. Like you said, I mean, when healthy, the pitching staff, you know, the nod goes to the Mets. So, but from someone who hasn't been invested from this perspective, I kind of do hope it gets closer. So then maybe I can jump in on the Mets. Now, if the Mets at some point, they were maybe say tied or they were back behind a game or two or something like that. And you could get the Mets even money or better. Then I think we would have a different conversation. And you may be thinking, well, then why wouldn't you take the plus 115 with Atlanta? But that's just because of what I said, that I think the Mets are the better team when healthy. And even without DeGrom, I still would give them the nod. You know, baseball's a game of ebbs and flows. You'll go through your streaks. At some point, I'm sure the Braves will have the upper hand and maybe we do get that opportunity. But because of that preconceived notion, if you get a price where you don't have to lay over minus 140 with the Mets, I wouldn't hate that idea of jumping in, Greg. And you're right. I mean, aside from the AL Central, that's really the main division that has some intrigue that you can still bet. And yeah, the Mets, I still think, are the rightful favorite. Yep. And then the other division that we've been talking about a lot, the NL Central, I do think that that one is so intriguing as well, because I still am not necessarily bought in on the Milwaukee Brewers as well as, and we've been seeing them as a favorite all season long, but they don't have a single guy other than Mark Brasso who's had fewer than 100 at-bats thus far this season. That's hitting above a 280 for this team. Brandon Woodruff looking better has been very beneficial for this team. But I'm not sure about you, but the Milwaukee Brewers still sitting here as a relatively sizable favorite. I'm seeing them right around a minus 240. That still seems a little bit too steep. I feel like the St. Louis Cardinals got a lot of their, shall we say, bad performances out of them. And at plus 165, if I'm looking at an underdog, I think that that's the place where I'd be looking right now in terms of the futures board. Yeah, I even see the Cardinals to size plus 195 here, Greg. So if you're someone who likes that Cardinals offense, I would not steer you away from that. But I still think I'm going to stick with my guns here and say that the Brewers, your Brewers, do end up on top of the NL Central. I'm not infatuated with this Milwaukee offense, and I've never been. I don't think they're a World Series team because they don't have enough constant offensive production. Do they have the pitching? Absolutely, both in their starting and in their bullpen and rotation. I get it. You know, some of their guys are shaky from time to time, but I think it's not something that you need to be worried about when you can face a team like the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Reds on a consistent basis. Against the Cardinals, yeah, that scares you a little bit, but I still think Milwaukee has a nod when it comes to the starters and the bullpen against St. Louis. And yeah, these Cardinals hitters are catching a hot streak, but I think at some point, it'll slowly start to trickle away. I'm not saying that they're going to be laying complete duds out there, but you know maybe Goldie kind of starts to go back to normal a little bit more so after this MVP campaign that he's practically having. Or I may think he's a short shot for NL MVP. But again, you know I'm not trying to lay 250 with Milwaukee, which is what I'm seeing. So if it's the same type of tempo to where maybe the Cardinals get up, they get on a streak, you get a better number on Milwaukee, then I'd entertain it. But this one I'm not as confident in because – well, the Mets have a completely different offense than the Brewers do compared to the Braves and the Cardinals. So basically what I'm saying is like it wouldn't surprise me if the Cardinals overcame the Brewers. I think the Cardinals have a better chance of doing that than the Braves do with the Mets just based on each respective team. So if I did want to bet the Cardinals, now would be your opportunity to plus 195. But because of the pitching, I will instill that patience See if somehow you get an appropriate price on the Brewers, which again, over $2 is just obscene. So it doesn't look like it's going to happen for a while. So ultimately, I probably won't get involved with the NL Central. Whether you have my philosophy to it or yours looking at the value, I honestly don't think 
there's a wrong way to approach it right now because it's probably going to come down to the wire like it typically does when the Cardinals always have a good team. They always find a way to make it close. The St. Louis Cardinals just every single year. If you've told me that in my 29 years on the face <laughs> of planet Earth that they have won no fewer than 80 games, and no more than 92, I would completely believe you because the St. Louis Cardinals are right there every single year. Both of us yeah. growing up in the Midwest, we know this all too well. And something that we know very well, Danny, is that you always shell out the goods on Rush Hour every Monday through Friday on VEASAN. You do absolutely amazing work at the network. You mentioned at the VEASAN Pentathlon was absolutely amazing. Had some great fun there. And I know that you did a very solid job with that as well. It's just so many people at the network as well. It was a very fun event. So all the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything they've got going on in general. Yeah, for sure, man. At Danny Burke 5 the best way you can kind of get the latest from me on Twitter. Tweet out the link to Rush Hour, like Greg was saying, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. And then I got the Chicago City cast. So it's all things Chicago. We'll go national if need be, but I kind of give you the fan perspective growing up in the Chicagoland area, you know, kind of ragging on all the teams that are struggling right now, but then tied in with the betting angle as well. So we got both of those shows going. And then if you're in Chicago, I do bet on Chicago Saturday night, 7 to 9 p.m. Central time on WLS 890 AM. But like I said, easiest way to get about it on Twitter at Danny Burke 5. And Danny doing absolutely incredible work here at the network, whether it be bet on Chicago, whether it be the city cast for the city of chicago or rush hour he provides great content on all of them and always brings it on this podcast as well big thanks to danny for joining me right here on the baseball betting show now part of the Vison family of podcast and coming up next it is that time to podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this mlb saturday as we touch them all At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think. Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game. Revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the exactly. olympics he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that ladies and gentlemen please welcome sam cassell to point game i remember you came out from crying tears <laughs> crying tears. i mean he was in a culture shock he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning remember what i told you i said i said og you think i can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. 
We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it off? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it off, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Easton Family Podcast. Always a pleasure to get Danny Burke on the show. He does a tremendous job over here at the network hosting Rush Hour every Monday through Friday. On top of that, you're able to catch him with the Chicago City Cast, powered by Bet Rivers. Bet on Chicago if you're out there in the Chicago land every Saturday on the radio as well. Guy does an absolutely amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball, and it is always great to get him aboard. So, big thanks to Danny for joining me in the last segment. Now, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MOB Saturday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. We are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation, or this is where... We wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. These are going to be at the bottom, so that'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. And we are going to have one game that is going to be out of rotation, or that is going to be when we get to the doubleheader of Mets versus Cubs instead of doing one at the top and then one all the way at the bottom. We're just going to do both of those games all together to keep things all nice, neat, and clean. So let's begin with this first Ashley game of 951-952 on the bang board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are in the Cincinnati, and they're under the road. Face off against the St. Louis Cardinals as Miles Michaelis is going to be going for the cards, and Nick Lodolo is going to be on the bump for the Reds. The Reds are finding themselves as an underdog. Any between plus 145 and plus 150 between minus 165 and minus 170. Your price on St. Louis. 8.5 to 9 is your total on the 8.5 over is minus 125. The under is plus 105 on the 9. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. I did wind up saying my total here at an 8.4. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but I feel like the Cardinals should be closer to a $2 favorite in this spot. I'm going to be taking a look at them with Nick Lodolo and his few starts. 
since coming off the injured list. He's been relatively solid, but I still think that there's quite a bit of something to be desired with both he and this bullpen. With the Reds, you've got a bullpen area that is north of 5-5. That is by far the worst out there in Major League Baseball. And for Nick Lodolo, he's been able to do a great job being able to get swings and misses. Right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. With that said, he also has an issue with the walks, giving up right around 3.3 walks per nine innings. Last start against the Tampa Bay Rays, was able to get the job done with a win, but gave up nine hits along the way, and he's really been giving up a lot of contact in general. He is giving up right in the neighborhood of about 11 hits per nine innings. Opponents overall, they're hitting a 297 off of him, and he's got a 540 road ERA. Meanwhile, for Miles Michaelis, he's been able to do a good job of keeping the ball in the yard, giving up one home run Per nine innings, his walks per nine rate, that is below two. Opponents are in a 213 off of him as just St. Louis in general is built for him. He's giving up an opponent's batting average of a buck 97 and 59 in the third innings. He's only given up six home runs, not a strikeout artist as at home even. He's only getting right in the neighborhood of about seven strikeouts per nine innings, but just has been able to do a good job keeping guys off guard. And he's backed up by a lineup that has been very good all season long. They've ran into some issues here in the last, we're going to call it two and a half weeks. But saw Ball Goldschmidt hitting a 330, giving you 19 home runs, 18 bombs out of Nolan Arenado. And he's sitting right in the neighborhood about a 295. And this team has been dealing with a few injuries. Tommy Edmond, Nolan Gorman, they've seen dips in their batting average. But both of these guys still able to do a relatively solid job of being able to get on base. Juan Yepes. Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, they're all hitting right around a 250 to a 255 as well. And then for the Reds, they wound up having a little bit of a tough time hitting on the road to begin the season, but they've really been able to pick things up, especially Brandon Drury, a guy that I feel like should be an all-star. He's hitting a 280 with 18 home runs thus far this season. Kyle Farmer, Donovan Solano, they've been able to move the line. Both of these guys are hitting above a 260. Tyler Stevenson, who's been out for much of the season, he's come back. He's hitting above a 300, and then you've got guys like a Taylor Naquin, Tommy Pham, hitting between about a 245 to a 250. So, it has been relatively solid there, but once again, that Reds bullpen. Other than really Alexis Diaz and Jeff Hoffman, everyone has been terrible. Hunter Strickland, Dory Moretta, these guys are just guys that you can't trust in. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Genesis Cabrera is able to give you multiple innings. Sub 3-5 ERA out of him. Ryan Helsley is posted up a sub 1 ERA. Been able to get good innings out of guys like Yohan Oviedo and company. So I do think that the Cardinals should be able to do a solid job in this spot. Both of these offenses, I do think, are going to be able to do a okay job. But this is still a relatively pitcher-friendly ballpark. So I'm going to be willing to go with an under, especially the way that Miles Michaelis has been able to keep the ball in the yard. But I feel like the Cardinals... Should be closer to a $2 favorite. Was willing to lay up to about a minus 110 on the run line. Seeing that at a plus 115, I'm going to reduce the juice. I think Lodolo gives up some hard contact. So looking at the Cardinals on the run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under 953, 954 on the banging board. We're going to be doing this along with 981, 982 on the banging board. This is our double dip between the Mets and the Cubs. It is going to be Marcus Stroman, who's going to be going for the Cubs, and Taiwan Walker going for the Mets in Game 1, and then Game 2, it is going to be Matt Max Scherzer and Drew Smiley. When taken off the board, in terms of Mets versus Cubs with Stroman versus Walker, you're finding the Mets right in that neighborhood of about a minus 120 to a minus 130-ish favorite, finding between about a plus 110 to a plus 120 on the Cubs with a total of 8.5 juice to the over now. The total is probably going to change a little bit because the wind winds up influencing this total, and it looks like it's going to be blowing in just a little bit on Saturday, so do keep that 
in mind, and we have yet to see a relisted number on this one. But if we wind up getting the numbers that we wound up seeing yesterday, I'm going to lay up to a minus 138 with the New York Mets. I would still be looking there. And then I wound up saying my total at 8.4. It wasn't 8.6 yesterday, but because the wind is blowing in a little bit more, I do wind up shaking down this total. So an 8 or less, I'd be taking a look at an over. If we get an 8.5 like we were seeing yesterday, I would be taking a look at an under because I do think that that win plays a little bit of a factor in. You do have a guy in Marcus Stroman that has been giving up the deep ball a little bit this year, right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings. He's been able to do an okay job with the strikeouts. Not great, not terrible, right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. And for Stroman, he's just been all over the place. He has wound up making really two starts since the beginning of the month of June. Gave up nine runs of four innings against the St. Louis Cardinals. Came back here in July against the Dodgers. He was able to pitch four scoreless innings against the Dodgers. He's not fully stretched out yet, but it was a relatively good sign, but I had a little bit of a tough time in some of his rehab assignments as well. And then for Taiwan Walker, he has been a machine at just being able to get outs in general. Gotta wonder if regression is going to be coming his way a little bit, though. He's getting right around 7.1 strikeouts per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate is in the neighborhood about a .44. He has given up right in the neighborhood about two and a half walks per nine innings and has been really doing a lot of his damage at home. Buck 50 home ERA compared to a 344 road ERA, and we did see it with Walker last season where he had a great first half of the season. Second half of the season did wind up going straight down the toilet bowl, though. I do think that he's still going to be able to do a relatively solid job against the Cubs lineup in which you do have Patrick Wisdom who's been able to give you 17 home runs this far this season, and you do have a lot of guys that give you contact. They don't necessarily do the world's greatest job of being able to go yard. You do have Wilson Contreras being able to give you 13 home runs, and with Contreras, 375 on base, and you do have quite a few guys that have been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to find a way to get on base. Nico Horner has been able to above a 300. Ian App is giving you right around a 375 on base, and then C.A. Suzuki, Christopher Morrell, in between about a 260 to a 265. So, have had some relatively solid bats there. But for the Mets, even though the offense has regressed a little bit, you saw Pete Alonso giving you 24 home runs, led the league in home runs on the road last season. Then he, along with Mark Canna, Brandon Nimmo, throw in there even someone like a... Starling Marte, these guys have been relatively solid. Marte has been dealing with an injury, but all these guys hitting a 268 or greater. Eduardo Escobar has had his ups and downs this season, but Jeff McNeil, Luis Galorme, hitting above a 300 for the Mets. The big question is, what are you going to be able to get out of this bullpen? Walker typically is able to give you six strong, but you do need a little bit of something in this double dip. Adam Adovino has been able to do a solid job. In a little bit more of a 7th, 8th inning role, Edwin Diaz, he has a sub-2-5 ERA. And I do like what I've seen out of Drew Smith this season, though. Regression has set in for him a little bit, but for the Cubs, this has been a bottom-5 team. In terms of bullpen ERA, Scott Efres along with Michael Givens, our pair of guys have been able to post up a sub-3-5 ERA. And you've been able to get a couple relatively solid innings as well whenever you wind up getting the ball to David Robertson. But you need guys like Chris Martin and Daniel Norris to be able to step up there. So I did wind up setting... The Mets in this one, a minus 138 favorite. And like I said, eight or less looking over eight and a half prior to the under. And the same total is going to hold for game two between Mabak Scherzer and Drew Smiley right now. I am seeing the Mets as a minus 210 favorite in one book. A lot of places do not currently have this up, but right around a minus 210 favorite there. And then a plus 190 on the Chicago Cubs. This would be a spot in which I'd be trying to take a look at a run line. I would need at least a plus 195 to be able to take a shot on the Cubs. So I'll gauge this a little bit more. And the reason why we don't have a run line available either way is because you need a total for a run line. And with this regular field game, well, 
You're not going to get a total until the AM. I did set it to an 8.1, where an 8 or less, once again, going to be looking at an over 8.5 prior to the under. So probably going to be looking at a Mets run line. But once again, we need a total before I can give you anything definitive on that. But with my Max Scherzer, the guy's come off the injured list, and he has looked absolutely supreme. As he has won 13 innings, and his two starts giving up one run, no walks, and 20 strikeouts. I mean, only Max Scherzer can wind up doing that. Coming off the injured list, and he's going up against Drew Smiley, who in his first start in a little bit over a month and a half, gave up four runs to two innings against the LA Dodgers. That means that you're probably going to be looking at some of the long guys coming out for the Chicago Cubs, you got to figure that because they are going to have an open roster spot with being able to bring up one extra man for the double dip that they're going to be trying to bring up a little bit of pitching. But and I do think that it's going to be relatively rough for the Cubs. I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 125 on that run line with the Mets with my Max Scherzer going. And once again, eight or less, I'll be looking at over eight and a half prior to the under as we go 955, 956 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates they have the red face off against the Colorado Rockies. Jose Urania is going to be going. For the Rockies, and Mitch Keller is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is finding themselves as an underdog, anywhere between plus 105 and plus 115. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Colorado, it's anywhere between minus 118 and minus 125. Between 11.5 and 12 is your total. On the 11.5, over is minus 120. The under is even on the 12. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. And when it comes to the Buccos, I needed at least a plus 134 to take a shot for Jose Ureña. It's actually looked very solid in his first two starts. I can't believe I'm saying it, but he's been able to give a little bit of something to Colorado Rockies. It certainly has been a better pickup than a guy by the name of Dallas Keiko within the division. But for Jose Reina, in two starts for the Colorado Rockies, he's went out there. He has thrown a grand total of 12 and two-thirds innings against the Padres and the Dodgers. Giving up three runs, and he started against the Dodgers. Wanted coming on the road. The start against the Padres wanted coming at home. Now, he has given up six walks in that time span, but so far, so good for a guy that in the last three years had posted up at least a five ERA in every single year. And for Mitch Keller, got to figure that this is going to be a little bit of a tough go for it here in Coors because he's someone that has been able to do an okay job throughout his career, being able to get swings and misses, 7.6, 7.7 strikeouts per nine innings, but a pitcher contact guy. Opponents are about a 280 off of him. Home runs per nine rate has not been bad, only giving up right around .9 home runs per nine innings, but the walks, that is an issue. 3.6 walks per nine innings. So you take a look at Mitch Keller. Recently, he's been able to do a little bit of a better job in terms of the walks. He's given up nine walks over the course of 28 innings in his last five starts, so he's starting to improve that a little bit, but what are you going to be able to get out of this Pirates lineup as well? That is a big question because the only guy in the lineup yesterday that has more than four home runs is Daniel Vogelback because currently you're dealing with a little bit of an injury to Brian Reynolds who's currently on the 10-day injured list. So it's been a little bit of an issue for the team. And for the Pirates, you don't have a lot of guys in general that are able to get on base. That's Ben Gamble, Cabrian Hayes, both of these guys hanging in that neighborhood of a 250. And Kevin Newman, I'll give him a little bit of credit, limited amount of at-bats, but been able to right around about a 270 for this team, but when you wind up getting into Jake Marisnik, O'Neill Cruz, Cal Mitchell, Jax Wozniski, Josh Van Meter, Yoshi Satsugo, all these guys are in a 225 or lower, and for the Colorado Rockies, they're right around 40 to 45 points better in terms of average at home than on the road, but bigger than the average, the home run ball. They're getting a half a home run per game on the road, more like 1.25 Home runs per game at home. C.J. Chrome, prime example of this. He's had 20 home runs thus far this season. 15 have come at home. Brendan Rodgers, he's got eight home runs. All eight of Vaughn are coming at home. Someone like a Randall Gritchick. He is right around a 280 at home, below the middle side of 200 on the road. So you've got some very demonstrative splits 
with this Kyle Rad Rockies team, and it trickles down to the bullpen as well. Someone like a Lucas Gilbreth, sub-2 ERA at home north of a 6 ERA on the road. You've had even someone like a Daniel Part do a much better job whenever he has been at home rather than on the road as well. More than two points off of his ERA when he's been at home the last few years. Losing Tyler Kinley for the year. Rough for this Rockies bullpen, for, but for the Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen, even though I think all but seven of their wins have come out of the bullpen, it has been a bullpen that ranks in the bottom eight in the big leagues in terms of ERA. It has been a rough year for Chris Stratton. He's putting up right around a five-ish ERA. Tyler Beatty has been solid in. Manny Benuelos is someone that has actually given this team a few innings recently as he has come in. He's been able to give the team a trio of scoreless innings ever since he won a King Rock by the Yankees, but it's not necessarily a bullpen that I'd be trusting too much in. So I do wind up saying the Colorado Rockies right around a minus 135 favorite. They've got some of the biggest home and road splits out there in baseball, and I think that those need to be taken account for. And I just don't think that the Pirates are going to be able to do their part in terms of the total. So I do wind up saying my total at an 11.2. I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Colorado Rockies as we go 957-958 on the bang board. The Atlanta Braves. They throw to face off against the Washington Nationals. Polo Espino is going to be going for the Nets. And Memex Freed is going to be on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta has find themselves in between minus 225 and minus 235 favorites. Meanwhile, in between plus 190 and plus 205. That is your price on Washington. 8.5 to 9 is your total on the 8.5. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 9. Under is minus 115. And the over is minus 105. And with the Braves, I set them as a minus 235 favorite. And if you're looking at the run line, finding it at a minus 145, I was willing to go up to a minus 155 here. So as in the strike zone for me, I am going to be willing to take the Braves Lane run and F. I do think that they're going to get to Paulo Espino, someone who, when he was coming out of the bullpen, was actually able to do a very solid job for the team. We saw it with him last year when he wanted going from the bullpen into a starting role. He wanted struggling with it, and I do think that that is going to be holding true this year as well. As we've just seen Paulo Espino as a starter wind up having his ERA wind up going up by multiple points as as a bullpen piece this year. He was posting up right around about a 2.15 ERA. His ERA is now right around a 3.42. As take a look at what has happened with him in his last five starts, posting up north of a 5 ERA in that time span. Six home runs, give it up in 22 and a third innings. And that's exactly what happened last season as well. In a longer role, he gets figured out. He winds up blowing a bunch of home runs. His last year's home runs per nine rate was right in the neighborhood about 1.7. Now, I will say this for Espinel at home this year, 3.28 ERA, but once again, a lot of those wanted coming in long relief appearances. And for Max Fried, he has really been able to excel on the road this year. A 227 road ERA compared to a 272 at home, giving up just one home run in 39 and two-thirds settings with a 182 opponent's batting average when he's away from Atlanta. And for Atlanta, don't look now, but how about how hot Matt Olson has been able to get? He has been able to provide an RBI in each out of the last four games. He's got a home run in a minimum three out of the team's last four games. He is up to 16 home runs, north of 50 RBI. This guy has been able to figure it out. On top of that, you've got Sergeant Dansby Swanson inning nearly at 300. He's been able to slug out 15 home runs thus far this season. Austin Riley leading the way with 25 home runs. And for Austin Riley, I mean, what he's been able to do over the last 30 days entering into yesterday, nine home runs at a 360 batting average. It's just absolutely incredible. We'll 
William Contreras is posting up right around 265 batting average. Orlando RC has been able to get on base. Michael Harris is second. He's hitting a 280. Ronald Acuna Jr., 365 on base. Locked and loaded lineup. And then for the Nationals, you've seen quite a few guys start to regress a little bit with their batting average. Got a lot of guys in between about a 235 to, I would say, a 248. Juan Soto, Victor Robles, Miquel Franco, Cesar Hernandez, Nelson Cruz, all in that fold. Now, I will say this. For Soto, this is someone that has been able to get white out as well. Up to 19 home runs this season, but entering into yesterday in his last 15 days, hitting a 441 with five home runs. So that has been a very good sign for the team. Luis Garcia, Josh Bell, both that are hitting above a 300 for Bell. He's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers, but for the Washington Nationals, that's been up, probably not going to be able to go much more than five innings, which means that you need to rely upon a bullpen. That stinks. Ancient Tyler Clippert is now getting innings once again. For this team, Steve Ciszek has right around a 5 ERA. Cal Finnegan has not been too terrific. Hunter Harvey is someone that should not be seeing innings out there at the big league level. Jordan Weems is posting up a 540 ERA. And then for the Atlanta Braves, you have Tyler Mazik now back in the fold for a team with the number one bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. Now, Kenley Jansen is just a run line blower at this point, but... With that said, he should be able to have a good enough lead that that is not going to be coming into play. Will Smith has been able to provide right around a 3 ERA call. McHugh is a little bit of a longer guy that's able to give you a 3 ERA as well. So Braves locked and loaded here. I do think that they're going to be able to win this game. And win this game convincingly, I'm going to lay the run line with them. Do you mind saying my total at an 8.8 here between an 8.5 or 9 with the only 9 that I'm seeing at DraftKings? And well, being out here in Las Vegas, I don't have access to DraftKings. I'm going to be taking a look at an 8.5 over personally to go along with this Braves run line as we go to a game that's currently off the board as it is 9.59, 9.60 on the banking board. The Philadelphia Phillies, if the road they're going to be facing off against the Miami Marlins as it is going to be the debut of Max Myers for the Marlins and to be determined it's going to be on the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies. Right now I'm thinking that it's going to be one of Rangers Suarez and if you do wind up getting Mr. Myers against Rangers Suarez this would be a situation where I'd be setting the Philadelphia Phillies as a minus 130 favorite, plus 142, laying a run and a half on the run line with a total of an 8.3 to wear an 8 or less. I'd be taking a look at an over and an 8.5 higher to the under. Now you take a look at Max Myers and he's someone that wanted pitching out there in the Midwest for Minnesota in college and he's been able to come up and he's been able to do a relatively solid job for the team as he wound up giving up right around three walks per nine innings. He doesn't really allow a lot of contact in general, but he was also pitching out there at the AAA level for Jacksonville, certainly not a juice ball league, and yet he was still giving up right around a 372 ERA. Command has always been a little bit shaky with him. The swing of his stuff, it's solid, but it's not like it's anything to wipe out. It's not like he is going to go out there and he's probably going to get like 10 strikeouts in this game or anything like that. Meanwhile, you've got a Phillies lineup that you're stymied a little bit by Sandy Alcantara, but I mean, let's call it what it is. Who isn't getting stymied by Sandy Alcantara at this point as for the Philadelphia Phillies, you have Kyle Schwarber hitting below a 220, but power numbers are there. He's been able to hit 28 home runs as far as the season on base percentage. So in north of a 320, you've got on top of that a lot of guys hitting in that neighborhood of, I would say, about a 235 to a 250. JT Riumito, Derek Hall, Matt Vierling, Didi Gregorius, Reese Hoskins, Nick Cassianos, and for Reese Hoskins has really been able to heat up over the last month or so. He's up to 18 home runs overall for the season and has been hitting right around about a 250 with seven bombs over the course of his last 30 days. So he's been able to do a nice job there. And then for the flip side, for the Miami Marlins, Jazz, Shizla, Malanth, Orde, Soler have been a little bit banged up. They got Soler back 
in the fold yesterday. That is going to be able to help him out as he's right now their top home run hitter, the only guy in the lineup right now with a double-digit amount of homers. That would be Aces Aguirre because Jazz Chislam is dealing with an injury, but you do have Joey Wendell and get 275 for this bunch. Garrett Cooper, he has been able to do a nice job. He's hitting right around at 295. Miguel Rojas has been able to find a way on base as well. Neither of these bullpens, I would say, is overall terrific for the season, but we have seen the Philadelphia Phillies doing a very solid job in terms of their bullpen here in the last few weeks as it has been Corey Knable being used in the seventh inning, and he's actually been very solid there. What you're going to be able to get out of Jojo Romero, who knows, he's right now at a 70 area. That's not great, but Connor Brogdon is someone I do like for the team. Sir Anthony Dominguez has posted up a sub-2 ERA. Jose Alvarado, he's just a flaming gas can at this point, but with that said, with the Miami Marlins, you've got plenty of flaming gas cans as well as guys like a Richard Blyer and Dylan Floro are posting up north of four ERAs. Now, Anthony Bass has been tremendous for the team. Buck 40 ERA, Stephen Okert is able to give you some solid innings, but the Miami Marlins, they don't necessarily have a great bullpen, and if you do wind up getting Ranger Suarez, just has been a case where he's been a little bit all over the place this season. Last year, he was really able to keep teams off guard and looked very solid. This would be his first start in, I would say, about two and a half or so weeks. He wound up starting last on June 29th, and for Ranger Suarez, prior to going on the injured list, he had allowed three-plus runs in three out of his last four starts, and overall for the season, Ranger Suarez has been having a tough time being able to get swings and misses, only posting up right around 7.2 strikeouts per nine innings. He's kept the ball in the yard, giving up a home run per nine innings, but those 3.6 walks per nine innings have been a little bit glaring. So I did wind up saying the Phillies, if it winds up being Suarez versus Mr. Meyer as a minus 131 favorite and an eight or less, we'll be looking at over a half higher to the under. 961-962 on the bank where you've got the Milwaukee Bears in the road face off against the San Francisco Giants. Alex Cobb is going to be going for the Giants, and Eric Lauer is on the bump for Milwaukee. Milwaukee is finding themselves as a plus-110 to a plus-115 underdog. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Giants, it's anywhere between minus-125 and minus-130. Eight is your total. The under is minus-120, and the over is even. I did wind up saying my total at a 7.2, so I'm going to be taking a look at an under in this spot. While Eric Lauer has been getting lit up a little bit, I think that he's been a little bit of a victim of bad luck on balls that have been put in play as he's giving up right in the neighborhood about 8 hits per 9 innings. Take a look at things and he has been giving up in the neighborhood about 1.8 home runs per 9 innings. A lot of these balls, just in watching, they have been sort of cheapies as he's got a rotary that hovers in the neighborhood about 5.24 now going to San Francisco. Very much more a pitcher-friendly ballpark. I think that that's going to be very beneficial for him. And Lauer still getting quite a few strikeouts, 9.7 strikeouts per nine innings. So I do think that there's going to be a little bit of positive progression. Now, with Lauer recently, it has been, shall we say, tumultuous, to say the least. As he's given up at least three runs and now six out of his last seven appearances. But take a look at the flip side for Alex Cobb. And I feel like he is sort of suffering from the same thing that we are seeing with Eric Lauer. Three-plus runs surrendered in three out of his last four starts. In one of those starts, it wasn't a case in which you wound up having a bunch of earned runs, but rather unearned runs. So that winds factoring into this as well. But Cobb, he's got a 457 here in a fielding independent that's nearly a point and a half lower. He's been giving up only right around, I would say, 0.7 home runs per nine innings. His blocks per nine rate is sub three. He gets nine strikeouts per nine innings. It's just a case which every single ball that's been put in play has found the wrong areas. He's got a 362 home area compared to a road area that hovers right in the neighborhood of six. And neither of these offenses are necessarily firepower, to say the least. For the Milwaukee Brewers, you've got one guy that has seen more than 20 at-bats as far this season that is hitting above a 260. That'd be Mark Brasso, and he has seen fewer than 100 at-bats. Now, you do have 
a Brewers team that actually ranks in the top eight in terms of home runs per game. Same for the San Francisco Giants as well. Adamas has been able to give you 18 home runs for Audi Tellus. He's been able to go deep 17 times himself. And Hunter Renfro, his home runs on a per at-bat basis is in the neighborhood about 14 or so, but got a lot of guys like a Renfro I mentioned earlier, Andrew McCutcheon, Christian Yelich, they are hitting between about a 245 to a 250. John Davis, he's hitting in that pocket about a 240, so nothing necessarily overly impressive there. And for the San Francisco Giants, really the only healthy bat that has a double-digit amount of homers right now for you San Francisco Giants, that would be Jack Peterson, as you wound up seeing Wilmer Flores get hit on the foot by a ball a few days ago. As a result, he was not in the starting lineup yesterday, and got quite a few guys that in general are having a little bit of a tough time getting on base, as Mikey Stromsky, Brandon Belt, David Fiar, Darren Ruff, these guys in a 241 or lower, you've been able to get a few okay at-bats from time to time out of Evan Longoria, but he hasn't necessarily been in the fold too much for this team as well. And for the San Francisco Giants, it is a case in which the bullpen has really regressed from last season. Last season, they wound up having the number one bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. You do have Jerlin Garcia along with Dominique Leon, John Brebbia posting up a sub-3, 5-ish ERA, but... That said, Mauricio Lovero's had a little bit of a rough year. Now, to the credit of Tyler Rogers, the 425 ERA is a little bit deceiving. Over the last three days, that's been more like a buck 93, so he's been able to rein it in, but still, you tell that this team is missing Buster Posey behind the plate, and for the Milwaukee Brewers, Josh Hader entering into yesterday in his last five appearances had allowed at least one run in four of them. Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams have been solid, but they've been used up quite a bit in the last few days. Hobie Mulner is someone that I do like for this team. He's been able to post up right around a two-ish ERA as well, though. So I do think that the Brewers, even with the struggles of Josh Hader, they still have a little bit of firepower out there. I do think that we are certainly going to be seeing things wind up reversing for Alex Cobb sooner rather than later, which is why I do wind up seeing the Giants at a minus 133 in this spot. So I'm going to be taking a look at the money line of the San Francisco Giants. I think that both starters are beginning a little bit unlucky, and I think that things are going to be reversing itself on Saturday. So my total is 7.2. So looking under and looking at the Giants on the money line, 963 and 964 on the banking board. Here's in the Diamondbacks. They are going to be hitting the road to face off against the San Diego Padres. As Sean Manet is going to be going for the Padres and Tyler Gilbert. He is going to be on the bump for the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are a pretty big underdog here. You're getting them anywhere between plus 160 and plus 165. Meanwhile, for the Padres, it's anywhere between minus 180 and minus 198 is your total. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. And with Gilbert and company, I did wind up saying them as an underdog of a plus 198. So, going to be willing to lay with the Padres. And if you take a look at the Padres run line, I was willing to take even money or better. We're right now finding that. At a plus 115, I'm going to look to reduce the juice because Tyler Gilbert wound up getting, in my opinion, a little bit overrated by the fact that he wound up having that no-hitter last season. It was a very lucky no-hitter if you want him digging through the analytics. And thus, this season, whenever he's been out there on the mound, he's been getting shelled and he's been not able to deliver for this bunch. As he's getting right around six half strikeouts. Per nine innings, he's allowed seven home runs at 25 and a third inning. So, man, it's a little bit unlucky. And his last start against the Colorado Rockies was his best start. Wind up giving up no runs in five and two-thirds innings. But it's been all over the place with him thus far this season. As he's either given up one run or he has given up six in all of his starts. So, there has been no in-between with Tyler Gilbert thus far. And 
He's got a roadie area that is currently a nine in his three road starts, giving up 14 runs, 13 of which are earned over the course of 13 innings. Meanwhile, for Sean Manea, he's been a little bit over the place himself. Talk about someone who's been up and down a little bit north of a four ERA, and he's actually been worse at home than on the road. A 4.54 home ERA compared to a 3.76 ERA on the road, and he's been giving up the deep ball a little bit this year, right around 1.25 home runs per nine innings. Walks per nine rate hovering in the neighborhood of about 3.4 as he has been really all over the place in terms of his velocity. The good news is he's going up against a Diamondbacks team that they don't do a great job in terms of batting average. Now, in terms of power, the Arizona Diamondbacks Third in the National League in terms of home runs per game on the road with a little bit over 1.4. As you do have David Peralta, Dalton Varsho combining for 23 home runs, entering into yesterday hitting a 236 apiece. And Joshua Ross is able to 275 for this bunch. Ketel Marte right around 270. But I am really past that. You've got a bunch of guys like a Geraldo Perdomo, Sergio Contra, Carson Kelly, and really the entire catcher spot for this team. Christian Walker playing a 215 or lower, though, for Walker. 21 home runs and for the Potteries, you do have a couple guys that are starting to help out Manny Machado a little bit more. Hassam Kim, Austin Nola, Drixon Profar, Jake Cronenworth in between a 235 to 245. And for Manny Machado, he has been the man. 15 home runs, hitting above a 300. No, Mazar has been able to find a way to be able to get on base, but certainly has been a touch and go San Diego Padres lineup that is currently last in the National League in terms of runs per game when at home. Now, you do have a Padres bullpen that has been a little bit hot and cold as well. DeBell Krismet has been a good multi-inning guy for the scene, but Tim Hill, he's posting up an ERA that's right around a 4-3. Adrian Motahone is someone that you can utilize in long relief, and though Taylor Rogers does have 24 saves, his ERA has been right around 4. He hasn't necessarily been too trustworthy for the scene, but for the years and the Diamondbacks, this has also been a bullpen that's not necessarily been too trustworthy. Joe Manat typically overall for the season has an ERA that's 231, but recently we've seen a little bit of regression. Sean Poppin has been able to do a relatively solid job for the scene, but Guys like a Caleb Smith have nearly a five-year AJB Wendell Cam, Mark Melanson. These guys have not been too trustworthy themselves. So a you know, battle of a pair of pitchers that have been incredibly inconsistent and a pair of offenses that have been incredibly inconsistent as well. So I did wind up saying my total here at an 8.1. At an 8, I'm going to be willing to take it over in this spot. I've got much more faith in Manea and his track record rather than Tyler Gilbert as well. And Gilbert just has not been good on the road. I think that he's going to be doing to give up quite a few runs here. So going to be looking at the Padres on the run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over as well. 965-966 on the betting board. It is going to be the Chicago White Sox on the road against the Minnesota Twins, and what I'm going to be making the DK Nation pick as for the Twins, it's Dylan, don't call him Al Bundy, and Lance Lynn is going to be going for the Chicago White Sox. For the White Sox, it's anywhere between even money and plus 105. Meanwhile, the Twins are between minus 115 and minus 120, with the total at 9 over and under, both at minus 110, and DK Nation pick it is going to be on the Minnesota Twins. I wound up saying them at a minus 140. And a big reason why is that Dylan Bundy, the overall number is not great. 468 ERA overall, but he has been so much better at home. A 6 ERA on the road, a 210 ERA at home. He has given up three home runs to 25 and two-thirds innings at home. Doesn't compare to the eight bombs in right around 49 innings. He's given up on the road. Opponents are hitting 100 points lower off of him at home rather than on the road. And Lance Lynn, until further notice, is a guy that I just cannot back. I was talking about this with Danny Burke. Lance Lynn, a 6.97 ERA, and it's been consistent home and road. 702 home ERA, 691 ERA on the road. It's not like he's giving up rockets or anything like that. Four home runs in 31 innings is a little bit high, but it's nothing too demonstrative. Nine walks in 31 innings. That's right around 2.6, 2.7 walks. 
per nine innings, but he is just not locating well. He was struggling with his rehab appearances as well at the minor league level, and he was struggling at the minor league level. He winds up coming up to the big leagues, and shock, shock, surprise, surprise, he can't find it. This guy's just completely washed, and he's backed up by a White Sox bullpen that's in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of ERA. Now, you do have a pair of guys in Kendall Graben and Liam Hendricks that have been terrific for the team, but Joe Kelly has right around an 80 ERA, Matt Foster, 475 ERA, Tanner Banks. He's been able to do a relatively solid job, but I still don't have a lot of faith in him. Meanwhile, for the Minnesota Twins, you do have a pair of guys in Giovanni Morin along with Griffin Jacks who have been tremendous as longer guys, both posting up a sub-3 ERA. Now, Caleb Theobar has had his issues along with Emilio Pagan, but Giovanni Morin has posted up a sub-2 ERA, and for the Minnesota Twins, got a lot of guys that move the line and consistently get on base. Byron Buxton has really been the power hitter for the scene. 23 home runs, so the batting average that does need a little bit of work. And Buxton has been on a little bit of a funk recently. Layers. You take a look at it, last 30 days for him, just three home runs hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200, so that has been an issue. But you got Carlos Correa being able to move the line, hitting a 280. Luis Arias has been one of the best stable setters in all of baseball, hitting north of a 340 for this bunch. And then on top of that, Jose Miranda, Nick Gordon, Alex Kurloff, they're in between about a 262, 270. Ore Palanco has been able to give you some power with 13 home runs. And for the Chicago White Sox, their team that they are in the bottom eight in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per game basis and they just say lefties so much better than they do righties we're going to be talking about this a little bit more tomorrow so a little bit of a spoiler there but with that said against right handed pitching thus far this season I mean they've been fine they've been able to hit a 247 but you take a look at what they're doing against lefties they're in a 288 and their home runs on a per at bat basis against lefties winds rising by about 75% now you do have guys who are able to move the line to a solid job Jose Abreu, Luis Robert entering into Friday both hitting right in the neighborhood about a 300, and then Tim Anderson, he's been able to hit north of a 300, but you really don't have a lot of power with the team. Abreu and Robert are the only two guys who will be able to give you a double-digit amount of homers this season with a combined 23. You have been able to have other guys be able to step up a little bit more. A.J. Pollock has been a little bit touch and go, but he's been able to do a little bit better recently. Andrew Vaughn has been able to hit a 290, but don't have any faith whatsoever in this bullpen of the Chicago White Sox with Dylan Bundy. He's been able to pitch his best at home, and I think that this is a case in which Lancelin is going to get shelled once again. The White Sox, I do think that they're going to be able to put up some runs in this spot. I did wind up saying my total a little bit higher here, 9.3. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over, but the DK Nation pick one lay up to a minus 140 here with the Twins. So making their money line, the DK Nation pick 967, 968 on the betting board. It is the Toronto Blue Jays playing us to the Kansas City Royals. Daniel Lynch is currently slated as a starter for the Royals to be determined on the bump for the Toronto Blue Jays. They want him trotting out their Max Castillo for a start in their series against the Seattle Mariners. I believe about a week or so ago and right now he is who I'm figuring is going to wind up getting the start in this spot but as of right now it is to be determined but if it does wind up being Mr. Daniel Lynch against Max Casio slash some sort of a bullpen game. You could wind up seeing an opener come in for Casio, and then Casio wind up throwing like three or four innings so that wouldn't cause too much of a differential in terms of this handicap, but I would be setting the Blue Jays at a minus 232 on the money line, up to a minus 130 is what I'd lay on the run line. 9.7 the total, with a 9.5 or less being a look at the over and a 10 or higher to the under. With the Kansas City Royals, they actually do have their top power hitter out there in this one in Bobby Wood Jr. They're missing 10 guys due to COVID-19 vaccination status, things of that nature, so you're seeing a lot of guys are not so trustworthy with that out there. You get a little bit of sneak peek at someone like a Nick Prado. Nate Eaton was able to have his first career home run a little bit earlier in this series, but Vinny Pasquinto has not been able to do a good job. Now, I will say, Ed Alvarez, he's hitting a 315 for this bunch, but other than Bobby 
Wett Jr., you did not have a single guy in the lineup yesterday hitting above a 245. That's an issue. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, you've got the trio of George Springer, Flyguerro Jr., and Bo Bichette all in between about a 250 to a 265 with Flyguerro Jr., 20 home runs entering into yesterday. You've got Springer hitting 15 bombs himself. Alejandro Kirk, he's been able to 300 along with Lourdes Gurriel. So you've got a lot of firepower when it comes to this Toronto Blue Jays lineup. And then when it comes to the bullpen, both of these teams have been, shall we say, rough as far as this season as you've got a Blue Jays team that you've been able to get some more good innings out of Adam Simber recently after a rough start to the season. He has really been able to shape up and then pass that. You've been able to get some good performances as well out of someone like a Tim Meza. I've been impressed with what I've been able to see out of Jordan Romano as well, but certainly when you wind up trotting out there, someone like a Trevor Richards, and it's been a little bit of a horse apiece situation. And then on the flip side, for the Kansas City Royals, they are missing a few bullpen pieces like a Dylan Coleman who was unable to make the trip, and this is already a bullpen that shall we say was not good to say the least. Especially with one of their top relievers and Josh Samout being out of the fold. Jose Cuas has been able to give you a couple solid innings along Scott Barlow, but certainly leaving quite a bit of something to be desired. So I did wind up saying the Blue Jays has a relatively sizable favorite. You got to figure that once again. Max Castillo, if he's not the starter in this game, he's probably going to wind up seeing some bulk innings. A guy that they actually do have quite a bit of upside with. You take a look at what he was able to do at the minor league level. He was able to be relatively solid there in 15 and two-thirds innings. They start in a couple long relief appearances. Did look relatively solid. Has a 230 ERA to giving up a couple unearned runs that did not wind up coming against him, but someone that has really good swing and miss stuff, and I do think that he has a little bit of upside. That helps especially more than being Daniel Lynch, who has made one start since coming off the injured list, and Overall, the season, he has been getting relatively shelled and hasn't had a lot of command. A little bit over four walks per nine innings. Now, he's able to provide nine strikeouts per nine innings, but you take a look at what Lynch has wound up doing on the road this season, and he's posting up actually better numbers than at home with a 4.15 ERA as opposed to a 5.97 when he is at home. But that said, opponents overall, they're hitting a 2.75 off of him. I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a rough go of it for him. So I did wind up saying the Blue Jays at a minus 232 in the spot up to a minus 130. What I'm going to lay on the run line nine and a half or less, looking over ten or higher to the under nine sixty nine nine seventy on the bank board. The Seattle Mariners hit the red face off against the Texas Rangers. Spencer Howard is going to be going for the Rangers, and Logan Gilbert is on the bump for Seattle. Seattle's find themselves in between minus one thirty four and minus one forty five favorites, and between plus one twenty and plus one twenty five is your price on the Walker Texas Rangers. Eight and a half is your total over and under anywhere between minus one five and minus one fifteen. And you better believe that I'm fading Spencer Howard. He is still one of my lowest rated pitchers. In terms of my power rankings, I did wind up saying the Seattle Mariners had a minus 150 in this spot, and with Spencer Howard, he wound up having a very nice start last time out against the Oakland A's. I believe that it is the first time in his last 18 appearances in which he wound up going at least five innings, but still, you take a look at the overall numbers for Spencer Howard. He looked better when he was down at the minor league level the last, we're going to call it, two or so months before getting recalled up to the big leagues, and it's still not a guy that I necessarily have a lot of faith in, because the swing and miss stuff and so he's been there from even at the big league level he's getting right around nine strikeouts per nine innings and you got to figure that it's going to be positive progression to the fact that he's given up seven home runs over the course of 15 and two-thirds innings thus far this season but I mean still this is someone that has had a really rough time with regards to command second time through the lineup as a career opponent's batting average north of a 330 and with Logan Gilbert he has been absolutely dominant and especially dominant on the road 247 road ERA he's given up six home runs in 58 and a third innings went away from Seattle his strikeouts per nine rate that is right in the neighborhood about 8.6 8.7 so he's been able to do a nice job there and his walks 
is very good as he's been giving up right in the neighborhood about 2.6, 2.7 walks per nine innings. You do want to be cautious of the righty-lefty splits with Logan Gilbert. Of righties are hitting about a 270 off of them. Lefties more like a buck 90. So that does wind up becoming a little bit of an issue with regards to the Texas Rangers lineup. But you do take a look at this Rangers team and it's very much balanced. You do have the one guy that's starting to bust out and break away from the pack and Corey Seager hitting 21 home runs. A lot of guys on this team, by the way. They're hitting between, we're going to call it about a 242, about a 250-ish, as you've got in that fold. Corey Seager, Adelise Garcia, Marcus Simeon, whenever he's been out there, Cole Calhoun as well. So, but interesting to take a look at that. And with Marcus Simeon, Nate Lowe, Jonah Heim, Cole Calhoun, all these guys entering into Friday between 11 and 12 home runs apiece. Adelise Garcia, seen a little bit of cooling recently. He's already got under strikeouts this season, but he's been able to go deep 15 times thus far this season as well. So, that has been helpful for this Rangers team. But you do take a look at the way that Rangers have been able to hit against righties, and it has been interesting because they're only about a 236, but most of their home runs have wound up coming against right-handed pitching as well, so that is something that I do take a look at a little bit in terms of this handicap, but also what you got to take a look at with regards to this handicap, the Seattle Mariners are about as hot as lava. They entered into yesterday with an 11-game win streak with Julio Rodriguez really being the headliner for the team. 15-plus home runs, hitting at 275, and then you got Eugenio Suarez, who has really been able to find the form that he was missing last season this year, hitting about a 240, 15-plus home runs out of him. Now, you do have guys that they need to pick it up in terms of the batting average. Dylan Moore, Justin Upton. You've got Adam Frazier hitting at 230, so he's excluded from this, but you still expect a little bit more. Cal Raleigh, all these guys hitting at 200 or worse, but I will say for Raleigh, he has been able to give the team 12 home runs. Jesse Winker, ever since he wanted to take that suspension in LA, well, he's actually been able to do a better job over the last three days. He's hitting right around 300, so he's been able to shape up at what is really spearheaded the Seattle Mariners win streak. They have the number one bullpen in terms of ERA over the last 35 days. This team has been lights out with that regard after these guys wound up starting out really bad. Andres Munoz, Diego Castillo after the first month and a half of the season. Both of these guys had north of five ERAs over the last 30 days. Both of these guys, sub two ERAs. Paul Sewell has really been the steady Eddie guy for this team this season with right around a 260 ERA, but they have really been able to straighten out there. And for the Texas Rangers, this is a team that they rank right around 10th in terms of bullpen ERA themselves. Dennis Santana along with Joe Barlow have seen a little bit of regression and Barlow currently a little bit banged up, but Matt Moore, Brock Burke, both are able to give you a sub-2 ERA. You've been able to get some good production out of Garrett Richards as well. He, Matt Bush, hovering right around a 3-5 in terms of their ERA as well. So I do think that the Texas Rangers are starting to get a little bit more out of Spencer Howard. And thus, I do like this total under. The Mariners have not been really slugging their way to a lot of these victories. They've been doing it with great pitching. And I think that we're going to see that once again with Gilbert versus Spencer Howard. Howard, I think, winds up having a lesser start than Gilbert, which is why I'm going to be willing to lay here with the Seattle Mariners. And with the total set, my total at an 8.2. So... I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well. 971, 972 on the bang board. The Baltimore Orioles hit the road phase off against the Tampa Bay Rays. It is good old to be determined for the Tampa Bay Rays. Meanwhile, Dean Kremer is going to be on the bump for the Orioles. No number up on this game as the Rays are undecided as to who they're going to be going with. But with that said, I'm seeing in a lot of places that they're expecting Ryan Yarbrough to be either a starter or a bulk guy. And I would rather have Ryan Yarbrough if you do wind up having him winding up getting a lot of innings in this spot whether it be as a starter or as a bulk guy, coming out of the bullpen. Because when it comes to Ryan Yarbrough, they have started him six times 
They have had him come out of the bullpen twice thus far this season, but if you take a look at the advanced numbers of Ryan Yarbrough, his ERA is right around a point and a half lower when he winds coming out of the bullpen for the entirety of his career rather than as a starter, and as far as a starter, he has been a little bit of a failure. He's got a 582 overall ERA this season. He's been giving up a home runs per nine rate, and it's in the neighborhood about 1.4. The command has been okay, right around three blocks per nine innings, but opponents are getting a 300 off of him, and with Ryan Yarbrough, he's actually been one of the exceptions to the rule in Tampa Bay in that he's actually been throughout his career a little bit better typically on the road rather than at home is home and roads was relatively equal and with the Tampa Bay Rays got to figure that it's going to be all hands on deck when it comes to this bullpen now it is a very good, good bullpen to have all hands on deck for they've been missing JP Fireisen for quite a while but still you've got Luke Barr, Jason Adam, Colin Pooch all posting up a sub 2 ERA, Matt Weisler has been able to give you more like a 250 ERA, Brooks Raley has been able to give you some good innings as well but they are going up against a Baltimore Orioles team that they themselves have been able to do an amazing job with their bullpen as you've got Keegan Aiken, Felix Bautista throwing their CNL Perez, all these guys posting up a sub 250 ERA Dylan Tate right around at 275 in terms of his ERA. Joey Creeble has been very good for this team as well and for the Baltimore Orioles. And this is a team that going into yesterday, they were one of the hottest teams out there in all of baseball as well with a double-digit win streak, rocking a record that is above 500. And a big reason why has been, this has been a lineup that has been relatively steady. It's not a lineup full of matchers or anything like that. It's Anthony Santander right now leading the team in home runs with 15, but you've got Ryan Mountcastle with 14. And with Mountcastle throwing their Cedric Mullins along with Austin the Sayers kid, throwing between about a 262 to a 275 trade with Mancini, any more like a 285. So these guys have been able to do a nice job. And then... Even the guys at the bottom of the fold, like Jorge Mateo, Rude and Odor, they're only in right around 200, but you've been able to have Odor come up with some big hits. Jorge Mateo, one of the best base healers out there in baseball. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, dealing with the injury to Wander Franco, that winds up hurting them. They do have a few guys that they need to pick it up in a big way, as you've got Brad Phillips, Luke Rayleigh, Yu Chang, along with Josh Lowe, hitting below the Mendoza line of 200, but you do have G-Man Choi. He's been able to provide a 390 on base. Andy Diaz is hitting a 300 with the of a 400 on base. Harold Ramirez, 330 batting average. Just don't have a lot of power with the team. Isaac Paredes has been able to give you eight home runs over the last three days, but he has really cooled off over the last few weeks. They pick up Christian Bethencourt from the Oakland A's to be able to help things out a little bit, but I do think that this is going to be a relatively low-scoring game because Dean Kramer, after the team was 3-15 and in his first 18 starts in his career, they've been able to turn over a little bit of a new leaf as they've been able to win four out of his last five. And for Kramer, he just doesn't look different this year. Two bombs given up in 37 and two-thirds innings. His walks per nine rate in the neighborhood about a 2.7. And after he wound up getting just completely tattooed last year, he had a 7.55 ERA. He clearly was not ready for prime time. He has been ready for prime time. 0.51 road ERA. I do think that there's going to be some negative regression with this. I mean, that is just unsustainable, but he's been able to do a solid job. I still have faith in the Tampa Bay Rays. This is a team that they always do a great job of being able to maneuver their bullpen, and for the Orioles, a lot of their win streak did wind up coming up against lesser teams, so I did wind up saying the Rays at a minus 138 on the money line. Eight or less, I'll be taking a look at it and over. Eight and a half or higher to the under. 973, 974 on the bank board. The Houston Astros are going to be playing on the Oakland A's. You've got Jared Koenig, who is going to be going for the A's, and Justin Verlander is going to be on the bump for the Astros. Astros are finding themselves probably going to be a very sizable favorite. This is currently a game that's off the board, but with that said, this is the largest line that I've set all season long myself. I made the Astros minus 346 on the money line. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 185 on the run line. 
Seven and a half or less, I'm looking at an over an eight or higher to the under. This is like the first time in which I wound up having a team more than two runs better than their opponent is. I got the score projected for the Oakland A's at a 2.7 at a 5.1 for the Houston Astros. And I mean, it's just because Jared Koenig, he wound up having right around a five ERA while he was pitching for the Las Vegas Aviators. So the Las Vegas Aviators, they play in the PCO, which is a juice ball league. It is very humid in Las Vegas. You have to go to like the Albuquerque Isotopes, what have you. But he has given up at least three runs and three out of his four starts with the lone exception being a home start against the Kansas City Royals. So not too impressive there. He's been giving up over five walks per nine innings. I do recognize that Jordan Alvarez is currently out due to injury for the Houston Astros along with Michael Brantley. But I mean, this is an Astros team that they should be able to just pile up the runs on an Oakland A's team that has been, shall we say, rather sad thus far this season. Now, you do have a couple Houston Astros players that are towards the bottom of the lineup like Jose Siri, the entire catcher spot for the team because all these catchers have not been able to live very well. J.J. Matevich, you're able to throw in there. Mauricio Dubon, they need to pick it up. They're all inning a 225 or lower, but you still have Kyle Tucker, Jeremy Pena, along with Jake Myers, hitting between about a 255 to a 270. Pena has been able to give you a double-digit amount of formers. Alex Bregman, he's got a 360 on base. You did notice Jose Altuve being on the fold in this one, and I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up missing another start, but where is the Oakland A's offense going to be coming from? Because Going into their game on Friday against the Houston Astros, you had one guy in the starting lineup hitting above a 238 for the team, and that would be Vemio Machin, who wound up having 31 at-bats entering into their game on Friday. That is not too terrific. You've been able to have Seth Brown go off for 10 home runs thus far this season, and he's right now leading the team in terms of home runs, and this is an Oakland A's team that has been pretty sorry in terms of their bullpen as well. You've had a couple guys be able to do a little bit better recently as you've had the two concerts and Sam Malt along with A.J. Puck be able to maintain a sub-3 ERA for this bunch. Domingo Acevedo, Zach Jackson, they're both hovering right around a 3-1 to a 3-2 in terms of their ERA as well, but when you turn the ball over to like Austin Pruitt, Sam Selman, Lou Trevino, these guys all have a 5-plus ERA, and then for the Houston Astros, this team has been throwing gas out there in the bullpen. They in the New York Yankees. Top two teams in terms of bullpen ERA. You've had Ryan Stanek along with Rafael Montero. Both post up a sub-2 ERA throwing their Seth Martinez in that fold as well. Phil Mayton, Nectar Neris. These guys have been solid. Ryan Presley is one of the best closers out there in the big leagues. And then when it comes to Justin Verlander, guys just found the fountain of youth. He continues to be absolutely amazing, especially against bad competition, giving up less than home run per nine innings. Still getting 8.5 strikeouts per nine innings, despite the fact that he's at the humble age of 39 has actually been a little bit worse at home than on their Bucks 57 road area, 234 home area, but still opponents are a buck 90 off of them. This guy has been absolutely amazing, and there's no reason to think that the Oakland A's have too much of a chance in this one. I want to make the Astros a very, very, very big favorite. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 185 on the run line, and then when it comes to subtle seven half or less, I'm looking at an over an eight or higher to the under end. Even if you do wind up seeing the Astros at like a minus 330, try to reduce the juice if at all possible. I would say don't wind up playing that chalky of a money line, but with that said, you need to get a Mondo Price to be able to take a shot on the A's as well. 975-976 on the way more. The Cleveland Guardians are going to be playing against the Detroit Tigers. Michael Pinata hopes to not be Michael Pinata for the Tigers and Cal Quantrill is going to be on the bump for the Guardians. Guardians are finding themselves in between a minus 158 and minus 165 favorite. Between plus 140 and plus 150 is your price on Detroit. 8 to 8.5 is your total on the 8 over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8.5 over and under and between minus 105 and minus 115. The lone 8 I'm seeing is at DraftKings and I'd still be taking a look at that under. I did wind up saying my total at a seven and a half. It has been a Tigers offense that up until yesterday they haven't been able to generate too much. Averaging 2.6 runs per game on the road this season prior to yesterday. So 
Certainly has been a sad state of affairs there. And for the Cleveland Guardians, they're averaging right around 0.5 home runs per game at home. That is the few that's out there in the big leagues. For the Detroit Tigers, you just don't have anyone whatsoever that's able to get on base for this team. Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Robbie Grossman, Tucker Bardart, Javi Baez, throwing their Cody Clements, Akil Padu. All these guys are hanging below a 218 right now. Miguel Cabrera has been able to hit about a 285. Riley Green, you want to go in deep for the team yesterday, but you still don't have a guy with a double digit amount of homers for the Detroit Tigers team. We are now at the 91 game mark. It's just absolutely pathetic. And for the Guardians, at the very least, you do have that guy that's able to give you a double digit amount of homers. That'd be Jose Ramirez. That's Ramirez, Stephen Kwan, Josh Naylor, Amid Rosario, Andres Menes, all in between about a 270 to a 295. So these guys have been able to get on base. Ramirez, north of 60 RBI thus far this season. I think he might be approaching 70 as well. And then you've been able to find lightning in a bottle of young outfielder Nolan Jones, who's been able to hit a 300 in a small sample size for Emil Reyes. That's coming off the injured list has been relatively solid now for the Guardians. The bullpen is starting to fail them a little bit. Angel de Los Santos wound up getting used up last night. Same advantages along the Eli Morgan pair of failed starters. They were very good out there in the bullpen to begin the year. We've seen a little bit of regression there, but you still have got Emmanuel Classe, one of the best closers out there in the big leagues. Nick Samlin is back in the fold for the team. For the Detroit Tigers, they're a top five team in terms of their bullpen ERA. They are dealing with an injury to Willie Peralta, but Michael Fulmer has been able to do an amazing job in terms of this bullpen. He has got an ERA that is hovering right around a buck ninety. Drew Carlton, when he's gotten innings, he has actually been able to do a very solid job for the team. Alex Lang, Andrew Chafin, along with Gregory Soto, between two three and two six ERAs out of all these guys. So, yeah, the Tigers bullpen that has been absolutely masterful, but with Michael Pineda, a little bit touch and go with him. He's got to really be able to hone in and not allow the deep balls. Right now, he's giving up just below 1.8 home runs per nine innings. His strikeout stuff, it is not there. He's only getting right around four and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He has been banged up for much of the season, so got to expect that he's still trying to find his footing a little bit and has been able to do a relatively solid job in his starts since he has returned in his three starts. He has given up between two and three runs in every one of them, but once again, he faced off against the Royals twice and the Guardians once, so that's not necessarily the world's greatest sample size, and in those starts, still gave up four home runs, so you've got your red flags there, and for Cal Quantrill, he did wind up getting lit up against the Chicago White Sox, giving up four runs in six innings in that start, and as a matter of fact, he's given up at least one home run in each out of his last five starts, but the good news is he's now going up against the Detroit Tigers, and he's got a 354 home ERA compared to a 466 ERA on the road opponents overall, and he had 267 off of them, but he's been able to hone it in on the walks right around 2.7 walks per nine innings, so I do think that this is going to be a relatively low-scoring game, and I'm willing to lay up to a minus 165 with the Cleveland Guardians. If you're taking a look at the run line right now of the Cleveland Guardians, you're finding it right around a plus 125 to a plus 130. I needed at least a plus 125 to be able to take a shot. I would rather take the minus 160-ish on the money line personally just because I don't have a lot of faith that the Cleveland Guardians are going to be able to win this game by multiple runs because I do think that it is going to be low scoring. So I would rather take a money line rather than a run line with the Cleveland Guardians. Hopefully we could reduce the juice a little bit more as Guardians started out more around a minus 170 on the open. But looking at the Guardians' money line and taking a look at the under 977, 978 on the main board, the New York Yankees play out to the Boston Red Sox. Nick Bavetta is going to be going for the Red Sox and Jamin Satayan. It's on the bump for the Yankees. Yankees are finding themselves in between a minus 155 and minus 165 favorite. Anywhere between plus 135 and plus 148. Your price on Boston. 8.5 is your total. Over saying between minus 110 and minus 115. The unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. And with the Yankees, one lay up to a minus 168 with them. If you're taking a look at that Yankees run line, finding it at a plus 125. Typically in this rivalry, I don't like to take a lot of run lines, but this is a Yankees team that they've got the number of Nick Pavetta. So I'm going to be taking a look at them on the run line. Pavetta 
in his last three starts in New York. Has north of a 7 ERA. He has just been lit up time and time again when he winds going up against this bunch. Now, to the credit of Nick Pavetta, in his two seasons in Boston, he's actually been a better road pitcher than a home pitcher, and that has manifested itself this season. 459 home ERA, 359 ERA on the road. He's been able to contain the deep ball a little bit more, right around 1.05 home runs per nine innings. His strikeout numbers, relatively solid. A little bit over eight and a half punch outs per nine innings, but I mean, in the nine innings that he's went up against the Yankees this year, he's given up 10 runs. That is not necessarily too terrific. And with the New York Yankees, you've got a lineup that they're able to go kaboom as you've got Aaron Judge currently leading the league in terms of home runs. And then on top of that, Anthony Rizzo, John Carlos Sin, they entered into Friday with a combined 45 home runs. Stan was able to go deep once again yesterday, so that makes it all the more impactful, and yeah, guys are able to get on base. I mentioned Judge. You've got Isaiah Canera, Falefa, DJ Turnit Up, LeMayu, all these guys hitting at least a 270 for this bunch, throwing their Glaber Torres, and Matt Carpenter is averaging a home run every about six and a half or so at bats. He has been incredible for this New York Yankees team. Now, someone needs to teach Joey Gallo and Kyle Gashioka at it, but that said, it's been a very good lineup, and for the Boston Red Sox, you've got the boom squad on this team as well. Rob Revsider, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, all these guys, and Lisa Thrayon, Christian Vasquez, it's been able to 280 for this team. You do need a little bit more from guys like a Bobby Dahlbeck, Jeter Downs to start to have a little bit of regression as well, but I mean, when it comes to Devers, 21 home runs this far this season, it's actually been a down team in terms of home runs for the Red Sox, and they have been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Trevor Story, but so it's been very formidable, and for the Boston Red Sox, bullpen is a little bit shaky. John Schreiber has been absolutely tremendous for this team, but he wound up getting used up yesterday. They wound up seeing the return of of Garrett Whitlock out of the bullpen yesterday as well, but with that said, Jake Diekman, probably someone that you're going to be relying upon in this spot. Caleb Ort has gotten some solid innings for this team. It looks solid, but I think that there might be some shakiness there at a Casa Sotomona, right around 3 RA, and then Enzo Robles was so bad a few weeks ago, they wound up getting DFA'd in for the Yankees. We have seen some cracks in the armor in terms of the bullpen, but I still have a lot of faith in these guys as Clay Holmes. He is still posting up right around a buck 40 ERA. Even able to get some good innings out of guys like a Michael King, Wadi Peralta posting up a sub-250 ERA. I do think that they're missing Chad green right now, but even Lucas Lukey, after he had a rough start to the season, he's been able to iron things out as well, and when it comes to James to tie on, it's been rough for him, to say the least, recently. Three-plus runs surrendered, and now five out of his last six starts, but you know that he's going to be able to give you some length because he's got great command, only about 1.2 blocks per nine innings. Strikeout numbers are down right around 7.4 strikeouts per nine innings, giving up a little bit under 1.3 home runs per nine innings, but he's done his best work in New York, giving up just five home runs and 50 and two-thirds innings at home with a 373 home ERA compared to an ERA a little bit north of four, so I do think that the Yankees get online and they wind up getting the job done, and I think that both of these starters are going to be giving up runs to a pair of very formidable offenses. Set my total at a 9.1, looking over, and I'm going to be going with the Yankees on the run line, as I do think that this is going to be a higher scoring game, and we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the bank board. The LA Angels here are going to be playing us to the LA Dodgers. Julio Arias is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers, and Jose Suarez is going to be on the bump for the Angels. 8.5 is your total. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 1 to 5 minus 110 with the Dodgers. It's anywhere between minus 180 and minus 190 on the price. Meanwhile, going to be getting the Angels anywhere between plus 155 and plus 170 with the Angels. I needed at least a plus 190 to be able to take a shot with the Dodgers. I'm going to be looking to reduce the juice on the run line right now and find that in between minus 110 and minus 115, I was blown away up to a minus 120. And with Julio Rios, he has been absolutely dominant for this LA Dodgers team on the road the last two seasons as he wound up having 13 road wins last season. That is just absolutely amazing. Ever since a little bit of a rough start to the season, and he's still recovering from it as he's given up 1.4 home runs 
per nine innings thus far this season. He has really been able to iron things out over his last five starts. He has been posting up right around about a 3.55-ish ERA. He wound up having a big giant blow-up start his last time out in which he just wound up getting torpedoed against the Chicago Cubs. But that said, other than that, he had given up one run or fewer in three out of his previous four starts. I do think that he's going to be able to refine it in this one. And I mentioned his home and road splits. 266 road ERA, 340 home ERA. Give it up five home runs in 47 and a third innings on the road. Nine bombs in 42 and a third innings at home with opponents saying at 217 off of him. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. Suarez and his ERA shoots up nearly two points when he winds going from the bullpen to being a starter. Overall, the season has a 412 home ERA and one long relief appearance along with three starts. And it's a case in which you got to be questioning the command of him as when it comes to Jose Suarez, his walks per nine rate, Right now, you're finding it in the neighborhood of four. That is not necessarily eliciting a lot of confidence. He's been giving up right around 1.3 runs per nine innings, but it's just not backed up by a good bullpen. As you've got Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapero, Rossio Iglesias, your seventh through ninth inning guys, the three guys that you're supposed to rely upon most. All these guys have north of a 3.50 ERA. Jose Quijada has been relatively solid out there in the bullpen and in a long relief role, and we could wind up seeing him in this game. Ibe Barilla has been relatively solid, but with the Angels, we've also seen some negative regression when it comes to this line up as well as Taylor Ward since he's come off the injured list has been a hot mess over the last 30 days sitting right around the middle's line of a 200 now. Luis Renifo, Joe Adele are both setting fire to the rain hitting between about a 250 to 260 but and this is a bunch at third dealing with Mike Trout currently being out the full due to an injury. He's got 23 home runs. Jared Walsh wanted missing a little bit of time as well. If he's back in the fold for the team, he's been able to supply 13 home runs, but he's seen his batting average dip to right around at 240. We all know about Joey Otani. He's got between 19 and 20 home runs. He's hitting at 260, but for the LA Dodgers, since Mookie Betts has been able to return, the offensive firepower is back. Betts, along with Will Smith, both hitting between about a 260 to a 270. Betts has been able to supply 20 home runs. Will Smith, he's getting jiggy with it with 14 of his own. And then you've got Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman doing a great job as stable setters for the team. Both have 12 home runs. Freddie Freeman hitting right around 320. More on at 305 for Trey Turner. Now, you've got a couple guys like Trey Thompson, Austin Barnes, along with Cody Bellinger towards the bottom of the fold that are really struggling. But how about the resurgence of Justin Turner and what he's been able to do over the last 30 days? Hitting a 337. Home run power is down, but that has been terrific. And then, when it comes to this LA Dodgers bullpen, it's been the Less heralded guys that have really been able to do a good job for the team. Yancey Almonte is posting up a sub 2 ERA. Reyes Maranta, along with Evan Phillips, both of these guys, a sub 3 ERA. Alex Vesia has been able to give you good innings. Meanwhile, Craig Kimbrell, not necessarily so much. Caleb Ferguson is back from injury. He's looked relatively solid as well. So I do think that the Dodgers should be able to win this game by multiple runs. Arias does have a tendency to wind up giving up a few runs. I do think that even without Mike Trout, this is a Angels lineup that is still relatively formidable. But I think that Jose Suarez is going to be giving up some runs. And then the bullpen. Find them, they are going to follow suit. So, somebody told at an 8.9 looking over, and I'm willing to take the Dodgers on the run line, and that'll wrap things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. Big thanks to Danny Burke of VEASAN for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letter CM, they mean does not matter. So, as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find the five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.